Welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change your life. My name is JC Macias, and with me here today is my lovely co-host, Lisa Piazza. And we also have a guest surprise speaker as well here. So definitely stay tuned for this one. Today's topic will be a little bit on the heavier side, but it's such a really important conversation for us to have, especially since it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And like I mentioned, we have an amazing speaker today, so we feel very lucky to have them here. Uh, During this episode, we'll be specifically discussing suicide awareness. So just please, we would like to give you a reminder that this may be um, a little triggering for you, so please take care of yourself. And before we get started, I just want to highlight that, like I mentioned, this is a very important topic to have, and this is something that's more common than people think. So according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, on average, there are approximately 130 suicides per day. And so just want to reiterate that, 130 suicides per day. So obviously, this is a very important conversation for us to all have together. Yeah, of course. And we know this is not an easy subject to discuss. And I mean, we've had multiple episodes that have been, you know, pretty tricky subjects, right, to really to really cover. Uh, but this is so critically important. And I think hearing that statistic, and I'm sure our guest, who we will reveal in a second here, has many more uh, disheartening but insightful statistics that she will share with us today. But this is just so important um, to really utilize the space we have here to really share out, right, some considerations about maybe someone suggesting or disclosing thoughts of suicide to you, uh, how we can properly support ourselves or others, right, that maybe have these feelings. And again, just like JC kind of mentioned, we know this is common. So we really like to utilize this space to empower our listeners, right, with tools, with resources, with things they know they can do if this ever comes up in their life. And so to go ahead and introduce our guest today, we are so excited to have her here and have this expertise, especially with such a heavy subject. And this is a really fun fact. I love this as well. So we have Lisa Schaefer at the room today. And a fun fact is she actually used to work at Live Violence Free at our agency and do prevention work. So what me and JC do currently. So that's really fun. She's coming kind of grassroots from the work we do now. Um, And she works for the Suicide Prevention Network. So hello, Lisa. We're so excited to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I did work for Live Violence Free for a number of years, along with... (laughs) To make it more complicated, another Lisa Schaefer. So <laughs> anyone who's There's listening so and they're not sure which Lisa, um, I'm Lisa Etzig Schaefer. And um, even more interesting, both my mother and sister worked for the agency. So wow. I would I have to say, I know this line of work was somehow in my blood. Even if you had asked <laughs> me in high school if I'd be working at the agency like my mom, I would have said, no, what? <laughs> right, right. I do what my mom's doing. <laughs> I love this. So it's like you coming to the podcast today, it's like you're coming home. And I love that. You know, I also love, I feel like when I first got the job, because you were doing it not long before I did, right? I'm another Lisa coming into prevention at Mm -hmm. Live Violence Free. And I remember a lot of people were like confused. They're like, wait, Lisa works there again? And I was like, 
not again. I just started, but then it, it made sense right <laughs> after I met you. I was like, oh, okay, there's another Lisa. Um, but that's awesome. I, again, I'm just so happy to have you here today. I think, you know, having someone that does this work kind of day in and day out that has spent so much time and just hours of training, because let's face it, suicide is just a really hard subject. It's uncomfortable. Um, and a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but it's so important that we do talk about it, right? And I'm sure you could probably share so many reasons why it's really important that we kind of have this conversation today and provide out these resources. So we are really excited to get started with you today. And thank you. Thanks. And it's easy to forget that even though we talk about these topics all the time, most people don't. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it, we are comfortable talking about them. We're educated. It's a part of our daily life and routine to have these discussions, but it's not for a lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I just, I just want to highlight that apparently all Lisas are amazing because <laughs> all the Lisas <laughs> that I know are just amazing. So, We're you know, from the same cloth, you know, Yeah, I think if I have another <laughs> child and it's a girl, her name may be Lisa. So I just wanted to highlight that, but I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so as usual, we have some fun questions in store for our guest speaker. So Lisa, we are Lisa Schaefer. We are going to start off with our first question. Who is someone that inspires you the most and why? So I was thinking about this and I, I think typically when people are asked questions like this, they instantly go to um, maybe role models in, mm -hmm. in pop culture, um, historical figures, or maybe even role models in their community. But I, I have to say that after thinking about it, I thought, well, who's made the most impact in my life? Like, really? I mean, pop culture and famous people, they all do impact our life. But, um, and I decided it, I would have to, have to go with my aunt. <laughs> oh. um, she passed away a couple of years ago, pretty young at 52. And um, I don't, I wouldn't be who I was without her in my life. Um, in fact, I know you guys work with teens too. And when I, when I talk to teens and I talk about, you know, um, when I do my presentations on the school, I ask them to think of one adult that they can go to, that they trust and think about the qualities that make them that adult. Um, yeah. I'm always thinking of my aunt and I really think if I did not have her, I, I don't know if I'd be the person I am today, you know, she was always there for me. She always listened. She was definitely like a never give up, don't say I can't kind of person. Um, we didn't have everything in common, but we didn't need to, right? right? You know, but she always answered the phone when I called. And so instead of going with, you know, a famous musician or <laughs> my son, I asked him the other day and he said, Albert Einstein, you know, <laughs> which is a good one, you know, out of all the yeah. famous people, I'm happy yeah. that <laughs> Einstein was on the list, not like YouTubers, you know? Yeah, but. definitely. So my I Aunt Robin, that. shout out to Robin for love being there. <laughs> shout out to Aunt Robin. I love that. I think that's a great <laughs> answer. And I mean, that makes so much sense, right? I think people that are directly in our lives can be, yeah, the most impactful and inspirational. You know, we actually have those connections. And yeah, I, I totally feel that. I feel like we've asked that question a few times with our guests. And I feel like we've all kind of reiterated to our guests that we'd all, I think, choose family in some way. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I love that. So thank you for that first answer. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so here's actually our uh, our fun question that we ask all of our guests. We kind of, we just liked this question a lot. So when we were starting this, we're like, we're going to ask this to everybody. I don't know what about it, but we just feel like this is a good, uh, a good question to ask. So if you could have lunch with anyone in the world, and this could be past or present, this could be a real or a fictional character, who would you have lunch with and why? That's a tough one. That's the one I, I think I was initially thinking of with my, <laughs> for my aunt. I'd have lunch with my aunt. <laughs> she gave me um, two answers. That's, we would take, mm -hmm. you know, we'd accept that. If There's she's no two right or answers. wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, you know what I have to say that's probably fitting for our meeting right now. I would be very intimidated, but it would be pretty cool to have lunch with Eve Ensler. And if you're listening Ooh. to the podcast and you don't know who Eve Ensler is, she started the Vagina Monologues and just does a lot of amazing work around the world. I'd, like I said, it would be intimidating, but sure. right? I mean, yeah. she's accomplished a lot. I participated for many years in the Vagina Monologues, and um, I don't know. I might... I. I talk, I have an easy time talking to people, but I might not even be able to get my questions out sitting across <laughs> from her at lunch, but <laughs> powerful. That would be yeah. a powerful lunch. How, I feel like, yes. yeah, I would have to go in armored with like questions for her, you know, or also oh, just... absolutely. Absolutely. But she's just um, definitely been someone who's influenced my path in my adult life and the career choices I've made. And I mean, those monologues, I did the vagina monologues when I had first started working for Live Violence Free, and I was in my young 20s. So That's awesome. I, I love that. that. Mm -hmm. Wonderful answer. Absolutely. So, Lisa, we have one last question for you before we kind of dive in. If you could travel through time to the past or the future, where would you travel and why? I think that it's rough to think about traveling to the past because recently with everything going on in the world, I've been thinking about how grateful I am to be a woman born in 20 in, well, was born in 1978, but <laughs> 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 alive during this time, you know, right. as opposed to the past when we had, you know, fewer rights and mm -hmm. didn't have a voice and, um, a lot of times the past gets really romanticized and you forget like, oh, it was hard, tough, right? <laughs> Life yeah. was hard. You know, it was in some ways more simple. And I think that's what people tend to hold on to is the simplicity of it. But it was also really tough, especially for women um, yeah. in America, people of color and women. So, um, so that was tough. Although I did love, I do love the 1920s and I mm. do think it would be really interesting to go back to around the time, you know, when, when the women's suffrage movement was going on and women were fighting for their right to vote. Um, I think it would be neat to go back and see famous speeches that we were not alive for. Um, so I, I would say I'm not, I wouldn't be going back necessarily because I liked the clothes or, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, um, I'd be going back to like maybe see a moment in time that was historically impactful. I answer. love that. And you know yeah. what? I thought I was weird for always thinking that, you know, I, I, I always, that always comes to mind in regards to feeling very lucky, you know, um, being born when I was born and just even experiencing the things that I experience now. And just sometimes how I feel like I have a voice, um, mm -hmm. in regards to what I want to do, what type of career I, I want to have, you know, where I work, um, or just someone actually like validating what I'm saying, because we know that, you know, that, 
we didn't have certain rights like that back then. So um, yeah. it, it always comes to mind. It's something that just comes to mind. So I'm so glad that I'm not alone. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So That's thank awesome, you. Though. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa, for your answer. Yeah. 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 We super appreciate you just starting us off, you know, especially we're about <laughs> to dive into the heavier back end of our episode here, right? Really right. dive into talking about suicide, suicide prevention. So starting us off with just a little bit of fun to get to know you a little bit better, right? And hear <laughs> some of those great answers. We really appreciate that. Yeah. So we really want to start off um, and really share out because again, you have such wonderful expertise that we really want to utilize today. So we'd love to give our listeners um, some insight on how they can support maybe themselves or others. So do you mind by starting, do you mind starting by telling us what are some common misconceptions of suicide that you may commonly hear? Yeah, definitely. Because the myths that have been around are still out there, the misconceptions and the myths. Um, as we know, like mental health has definitely come a long way and there is a lot more comfort in talking about mental health. There's a lot of campaigns that happen and um, and that's great, but there are still misconceptions like, for example, something that even I remember thinking when I was younger is that suicide is selfish, mm. right? I mean, how can you not think that when you see a mother end her life and leave little children behind? It's so easy to think, oh, why would she do that to her children? You know, that's so selfish. But you really have to reframe the way you look at the situation. And the way to do that is by understanding why someone has, why they're even in that, why have they gotten to that point that they would consider suicide as an option. So when people make that decision, it's not selfish because they've gotten to the point where they think they're a burden. And maybe they think that no one will miss them when they're gone. Maybe that mother felt like her children would be better off without her because right. she couldn't be the mother they needed, right? So shifting that mindset from it being selfish to understanding that that, that person, they think they're doing the best thing for the people around them, right? They yeah. think that if I, if I end my life, if I leave tomorrow, my family won't have to worry about me anymore, mm -hmm. you know? I, um, my family... You know, maybe maybe they don't feel loved, so they think, well, nobody nobody loves me anyway, and you know, I don't have to be a burden to the people I'm reaching out to. Um, but just shifting the mindset to understand that they're not being selfish; they're doing what they think is best for everyone. Even if we can look at the situation and think, no, it's not it's not the best. The people love you; they want you here. You're not a burden. Um, you know, they're kind of trapped in a little black hole where they don't see that there's other options and that's just not how they're seeing life right now. And that can be hard to imagine if you've never felt that way. But so that's a big one that, that it's a selfish thing when really it's, it's not, it's just, they don't feel like they have any other choice. It's heartbreaking. It's like in a way mm -hmm. they feel like it's selfless almost, you know, mm -hmm. or maybe some individuals do, right. Maybe they right. really feel like I'm actually doing everyone a favor, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. so what a heartbreaking thing I think. And I know for me, I think I've heard that the most commonly, mm -hmm. um, you know, and even people close to me, right? Like hearing about issues or someone committing suicide. I feel like that comes up so commonly, right? That kind mm -hmm. of judgment and that, you know, kind of coding it as that's a selfish thing to have done. And mm -hmm. so I really appreciate that you kind of started us off just with that one, because I think mm -hmm. that is a really, really big component to kind of talk about, especially when it comes to misconceptions. Right. And I remember thinking that when I was younger. So it's not sure. like it's, you know, it's not, it's not hard for me to remember 
you know, buying into some of these same misconceptions. It wasn't talked about, you know, when, especially when we were younger. When I was in high school and Kurt Cobain ended his life, I don't, I was, of course, a teenager and traumatized, but I don't remember it being discussed in school. It was a big deal. Sure. I don't remember yeah. having a conversation with anyone about that. Why would he even do that? You know, mm-hmm. you just thought, ooh, that was something far away and not in the realm of my life and I don't even remember what I thought back then. I just wish it had been a discussion. Right. It's almost yeah. like it's just something dark and something we don't talk about yes. and it happened and we're just going to move away from it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 And I think that's another misconception, right? Where people tend to think that if we bring up the conversation about suicide, you know, now we have put that idea in someone's mind, yes. right? Like we kind of mm-hmm. planted a seed. And I think that's something that's very common. Um, yeah. And I know that I've seen as like a taboo sub- subject, right? Like we don't talk about suicide yeah. for that reason, or, you know, um, teens are too young to talk to them about that type of topic. Right. Um, right. but in reality, it's like, no, we, you know, we all hear it, we all see it. Um, but there's just not a conversation around it. And so that's why we're here today. <laughs> and that was actually going to be the other one I was going to mention JC is that asking someone or talking to them about it will plant that seed when in reality it has the opposite effect. You've mm-hmm. just made it known that you're a safe person to talk to about that. Right. Right. I mean, if you and and I know that we're probably going to talk about this later in the podcast, but if you ask somebody if they're thinking about suicide, instead of thinking that you're putting the idea in their head, you're not. Everybody knows that's an option. Um, You've just made it clear to that person that they can actually talk to you about it. A, a, A weight maybe lifted off their shoulders where they can say, actually, yes, I am. You know, maybe they want to say that but they can't articulate the words. They don't know if it's safe to tell you. And then when you bring it up, they realize, oh, okay, this person is here to listen and they understand and they're not judging me because they brought it up. Right. They can go there with me. They can, they can be the person. Yes, they can go there with me. Yes. They can be the person on the other end of this conversation that I may really need to have and don't have an outlet for. Yeah. 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 Or they can handle this conversation. I definitely agree, Lisa. Yeah. That's such a big one. I feel like for so many things, just trying to assume if someone can handle what you're going to say, I think that's like a big barrier for a lot of people. So I can really assume in the realm of suicide, right? Assuming that like that's way too big to drop on someone, right? So yeah, just that conversation, which is interesting, right? Because just that's such a simple language choice we can make, right? It's just asking that question, but it really, I mean, it holds so much weight. But it's hard. It's right. hard to say, like, are you thinking about suicide? Because you really do have to say it. Because if you just yeah. say, are you thinking you might hurt yourself? You're, you know what I mean? You're, you're not being direct enough for them mm-hmm. to know it's truly right. safe to say anything. Um, and you also might be thinking, oh, if I ask them about suicide, what if they're mad at me? What if they snap at me and think I'm judging them? You mm-hmm. know, but what's, what's it going to hurt if you ask and they're not or they're not ready to tell you? Right. At least you asked, <laughs> you know. Maybe they'll tell you, talk to you later about it. Exactly. Right. Just planting that seed. I remember being at a training. This is actually when I like first got the job. This is a few years ago, but we were actually at a suicide prevention training. And one of the components, the exercises was us actually saying out loud, Mm -hmm. are you thinking of committing suicide? And that was, and at first I was like, we just have to say this. We didn't even have partners. It wasn't even like we were saying it to somebody. We were just verbalizing it out loud, but it really is, it's a hard thing to to say, I think. Mm -hmm. And especially if there is someone in front of you and as someone, you know, that you may really care about or know very well. Yeah. That could be a really challenging thing to, 
to do. So even I think, you know, just practicing that, we're not saying you have to like walk around your house and say that out loud all the time, but I mean, just as, you know, some kind of practice, or if you're gearing up for a conversation, let's say may not be a bad idea. Right. And I think it speaks yeah, to showing that you're again, comfortable, right. You're comfortable having this conversation. So therein lies that they can be more comfortable with you. Right. Right. You've opened that door. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just highlighting the word harm, right? When we are asking someone if they are planning on harming themselves, it's so vague, right? We don't, Mm -hmm. it's so broad. We, you know, hurting themselves can look very different. Um, And so, yeah, like Lisa mentioned, just really asking directly can really, you know, make a big difference. And when you ask, like you said, JC, asking directly, if you think about your words, if you say to somebody, you're not thinking about hurting yourself, are you? You're not thinking about suicide, are you? Mm-hmm. That it comes with a lot of judgment, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you that's what crazy people do, right? right. I mean, that is not opening any doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's going to instantly make someone feel like, oh, oh, no, no, I would never do that, right? Even yeah. if they're thinking about it. It's it's just really important, yeah, to choose your words wisely and, and just ask directly. Even speaking of words, actually, when I first took this um, position a few years ago, I, that was the first time that I heard that um, they're really trying to change the language used. So, for example, committing suicide, it was really hard for me to stop using that word. And I still catch myself sometimes. But um, the thought behind not using the word committing is that it's usually associated with something negative like committing a crime, committing adultery, Um So it's weird at first to start saying like died by suicide or using other, other ways, other words instead of committing. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there though, because that's relatively new. And even I I was not aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know till a couple of years ago. Yeah. I didn't know. So it's death by suicide or died by suicide or like when you say um you're not thinking about suicide are you instead of you're not thinking about committing suicide are you right cuz it's just um kind of omitting that word right Good to know. I'm happy. Again, this is why we are so thrilled to have you here today, right? <laughs> yeah. As part of this conversation, because I mean, and things are complex and forever evolving, right? So I think especially mm-hmm. to have, you know, any new information that's out there, any ways that we can best have best practices set in place, right? And whether that be verbiage or any new resources or ways we discuss this, then yeah, I think that's, that's so awesome. So thank you for putting that in there as well. Yeah. Um, are there any other misconceptions that maybe you want to touch on before we kind of move on? Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of myths. Um, let me think for a minute. We said about it being selfish. Um, I think the idea that everyone that has these thoughts is has like severe mental health disorders. It, it's very common that the person might be dealing with some kind of depression But, you know, sometimes it just takes one major life event. Maybe they don't have any mental health disorders, but maybe they're going through a divorce and they lost a job. Um, Any of those major life changes that can impact someone negatively can kind of send someone into a spiral of feeling hopeless. Because that's the key. People make this decision because they feel hopeless. So, yes, while a large percentage of people that um, consider suicide are battling depression, um, sometimes they haven't been, and it's just like things start going wrong for them. Things start going really wrong, and they're not coping well. 
and they feel like they don't have any other way out or any other options. And they, even if we could see that they have options, right, as an outsider, as a friend or family member, they can't, they're, they've got blinders on and they feel completely hopeless and they don't feel like they have any other options. So it's not just something that people with severe mental health issues deal with or people with drug problems deal with. While those can go hand in hand, you know, right. there are a lot of just everyday people that can feel like they're lost and don't know what to do next. Yeah. And just knowing it's just that hopelessness, right? Or that, mm-hmm. you know, just that kind of feeling that things are unchangeable. I mean, even just thinking about the last year, right? Mm-hmm. With all of the isolation, with all of the sudden kind of disastrous change, right? And all these new things yeah. we had to do. And right, I, I can't imagine, you know, like possibly how many people, right, that did not have mental health issues mm-hmm. or, you know, things going on prior that maybe, yeah, maybe started to feel that way, right? Given, you know, right. is this how long is this going to last, right? Yeah. And what's this world looking like? And despair, that, yes. Right, right. And those just external stresses every day of just, you know, kind of navigating the world in COVID times. So yeah, that definitely, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a really important thing to think about, right? Is just going back to that, that that underlying feeling and trying to really understand that as someone on the outside that maybe has never felt that before, that that's really what it comes down to. Cause I think that could help maybe, you know, combat some of those misconceptions as well. Right. Again, like we talked about the selfishness, right. And just knowing that it's yeah, really an idea of that hopelessness and it really could, it could really happen to anyone. Right. We, we all have the capacity to feel hopeless and, and right. a little bit lost. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for highlighting that. I think that was such an important misconception because I think just personally, I am a person that needs to always feel hopeful about the future and optimistic because I know that as soon as I don't feel that, um, you know, things can look very dark to me. And so for me, that's something that's really important. So right now that you just identified the opposite, right, it really scared me. (laughs) Like, how would I feel if I was not able to be optimistic and hopeful, you know, and it does sound like a very dark um, place to be in. And, you know, I can understand how someone's, um, you know, mental, um, mental, either illness or just their mentality may feel completely shifted, you know, in regards to just being in a dark place. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And then uh, Lisa Schaefer, I have another question for you. So what are some of the most common indicators or some of the warning signs that you see of someone who may be contemplating suicide? Well, it's funny to follow that up with, I, I just said that they don't have to have mental health issues to consider suicide, but a lot of times somebody has been feeling depressed for a short or prolonged period, either either one. And so the signs to look out for are really similar to the signs of depression, depression and anxiety. So, you know, they have major um, changes in their behavior, like uh, maybe they used to be social and they're not participating in any of the things they used to do. So like with kids, right, they don't want to they're, they used to do theater or sports, and they're they're not going to those games anymore. They're not going to practice. Um, uh, I guess for us adults, you know, maybe you're involved in a, a club in town, or even just you you take daily walks with a group of friends, and they stop coming. So anything like that, where someone stops doing the things that you know that they loved too, because sometimes people just aren't into something anymore, but. Sure. You know they loved it, or they're good at it, and uh, it's really part of who they are, and they're not doing those things anymore. 
um, their sleep routine has changed. They're either sleeping too much or not enough or both, right? We all know like everyone's had those nights where you can't sleep because you're stressed out and you're sure. so tired the next day. So um, eating too, people cope by eating or not eating. I'm definitely a eat to cope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of people that stress <laughs> out don't eat, you know, and then it's a whole spiral. You're not eating well, you're not sleeping well. You are um, not participating and being involved in things. You're not texting your people back or um, calling people, not even coming to work, calling in sick a lot to work. A lot of those behavior changes. Um, a lot of people think that when you're depressed, it's just sad and crying. But for some people, it's being irritable and angry and angry, mad at the world. Um, right. Maybe they don't this is why it can go unnoticed for the person too. They don't even realize that they have depression because they're not crying. They're not sad or they don't think they are. Um, they're just really angry all the time and irritable right. and frustrated. And so those are definitely can be actually signs of depression. Um, some of the signs that are not so obvious and kind of not the first thought of signs are like a sudden improvement. So someone's been really depressed for a while and all of a sudden they are so happy and, you know, maybe they're giving things away and they're giving you kind of aloof answers when you ask them, hey, what's changed? You know, maybe they say, oh, you know, I just, I got it all figured out. Mm. Because for some people, when they've made that decision to end their life, it's like a huge weight off their shoulders. Right. So you could notice sudden changes in behavior that seem positive, but you know in your gut, right? If you know that person has not been going to therapy or um, nothing major has changed in their life to to cause this reaction and you're feeling weird about it, that, that could be a sign. It's just an overlooked sign, giving things away and, and being um, really happy all of a sudden. Like I said, it's like a weight is lifted off their shoulders. Um, so a lot of that kind of behavior change, you know, and then there's people that they'll put stuff on Facebook that's cryptic and people tend to say like, oh, people are just looking for attention, especially with teenagers, right? They're not going to sure, do anything. Sure. They just want attention. Well, yeah, they do. They do want attention. It, nobody wants to end their life. Nobody. So people will give you clues and hints and reach out in whatever weird or unusual ways that they can. And even if it's not a way that you would do it, right? It's using that empathy we just talked about earlier. Like even if you can't imagine making that decision, reaching out that way, posting that thing on Facebook, that's how they're dealing with it and coping. Yeah. So it, it's tough, but if you do see cryptic things on Facebook from younger people, people your own age, whoever, um, it's important to take that seriously. You know, you you also can't, you know, you can't save everyone, but you can at least do your best and reach out and connect, try your best to connect someone to somebody that really can help them. I love that. And that actually leads us right into our next question. And so <laughs> our next question for you is, now that we kind of know, right, maybe some of those indicators, maybe things we can see, recognize, pick up on, but if we are noticing those things, uh, what is the best way or some of the best practices to holding a conversation with someone that might be showing some of these warning signs or these indicators? Well, as usual, you will be nervous, right? You'll, you might be afraid they might get mad at you or um, be defensive, but it's really important to, 
tell them that you notice these things. Hey, I notice that you haven't been coming to practice. You know, you haven't really been getting back to my texts. I'm worried about you. I care about you. I love you. Uh, even if we think, well, of course they know I love them. They're my sister or my brother or my, my spouse. They need to hear it because, like I said before, um, people can feel like they're a burden or that nobody wants them around or no one would miss them if they're gone. And so even if you think they know you care about them, you need to say it again. So pointing out the things that you've noticed, um, reminding them that you care and that you love them, and offering to do whatever the next step needs to, to be to get them to help. So, you know, maybe they are afraid to make that phone call uh, and you offer to sit with them. Maybe you offer to even be their advocate and, and you can go into a counseling center and sit down and, and be there with them. Um, you can sit next to them while they text that crisis line or you can text it and start the conversation for them. But we teach the kids in school an acronym called ACT. It's acknowledge, care, tell. So acknowledging that there's something going on, right? Pointing out the things you notice, reminding the person that you care about them and that you're here for them. And then for the kids, telling means telling a trusted adult. But for the adults, I mean, we still need to tell with that person or you don't even want that whole thing just on your shoulders, right? If a, if a friend has confided in you, you know, you don't want to be gossipy, but you might need to text the crisis line yourself or call and get right. a little support for yourself, a little help for yourself. And if someone's really, really in danger, you really think, okay, I know they have guns or I know they have a means to end their life um, and you're really worried, you can call 911. You, know, you can ask the law enforcement to go out there and check on them. You can also drive your friend to the emergency room if they're at risk. And um, one of the things you can do for them, if you were talking with them and they're at risk and you know that they have the means to end their life, you can ask for it. So, for example, they say, I have these pills. I was Oh, because that's another thing you want to ask them. If they say, yes, I have been thinking about suicide, you want to ask them if they have a plan, right? Because if they have a plan, it's clear they're very serious about it. Right. So you may say, they, they confide in you that they're going to take these pills. You ask them, could I hold those pills for you while we go talk to so-and-so? or I drive you to the ER, or whatever that next step is. To get quick, quick question. Maybe there's no like right or wrong on this, but I'm just curious. What if by chance there was a weapon involved? Do you have any suggestions to that person as to maybe how they can keep both of those individuals themselves, right, and their friend they're concerned about, maybe how we can keep ourselves both safe, right? Maybe it is a yeah. gun or a knife instead of pills. I know if you're ever worried about your safety, you need to just do what you need to do to stay safe. And, and it's at times it, it is calling 911. Right. Absolutely. If there's a, you know, if they say they have a gun, you know, maybe, and then it's not out, you could ask them for the keys to their gun safe while you take them to safety. But if someone is, yeah, has a gun, a weapon out, they're wielding it around, they're maybe having some kind of episode, you, you have to do what you need to do to keep yourself safe. So right. sometimes calling 911 is the is the answer. Absolutely, if it's yeah. that serious. Yeah, your your safety should come first so that you're yeah. able to help the other person be safe, right? And it may be mm -hmm. not being there present physically if it comes to it. But thank you, Lisa. Those are some great 
um, yeah, some great suggestions. And you did, I have a, another question for you and you kind of answered it slightly as well. Uh, cause uh -huh. you're just so amazing and ahead of us. Um, but do you have a message for any listeners out there who either may be feeling this way themselves or know someone who is feeling this way? You know, what other suggestions or what message do you have? I think if you're feeling this way yourself, uh, a couple important messages are one, you are not alone. I think that you, you ladies also know in working in a similar field um, and working for me and working in suicide prevention. And then before when I was working with victims and survivors of violence, um, when you are out there in the community talking to people, uh, people are all going through such similar things and situations. And so you are absolutely 110% not the only person thinking and feeling the way that you're thinking and feeling. And I can guarantee you there are people that understand, even if it feels like no one's going to understand where I'm coming from. There are people who understand. So as hard as it is and as impossible as it may seem, reaching out is really, really important. And I think that if you're someone who's who's feeling this way, it'll be a big um, weight off your shoulders to know that you're not alone and that you're not the only one thinking and feeling this way. How, whatever that looks like to you, whether it's connecting with a best friend, whether it's texting the crisis line, making a phone call, making that first therapy appointment, whatever that looks like, knowing you're not alone and knowing how important it is to reach out because it is temporary. Mm -hmm. It's no matter if you have mild depression, uh, by a bipolar disorder, like whatever you're going through, if you get the right help, these feelings that you're feeling about hopelessness and ending it are temporary. Whether you have to get medication, some people have to be on medication to help them out. Whether you have to go to therapy, whether you just have to really rely on your friends and family to get through a hard time you're having, like a, you know, a divorce or a job loss or a death, um, it, it, it can get better, but you have to to reach out and ask for the help. So yeah. um, that was to the people who are struggling and to the people that know someone who's struggling. I think that's tough because we just talked about putting yourself first. It's like, okay, at what point, what if I've been helping and helping and helping this person and nothing is changing? You know, what do I do? And um, you, you can just do the best you can do. You know, you can be there for someone, you can offer them support and importantly, connect them to other resources that are, you know, know what, what the right thing to do and say is. Um, but it's not your responsibility. Like if somebody ultimately ends their life or they don't do anything to make their life better or take the steps for change, you have to also put yourself first sometimes too, because your mental health can be impacted by that. Um, right. When I worked at LVF, we had a few trainings. That's when I learned about vicarious trauma. Mm -hmm. And you know, people who are helpers and givers and want to be there for everyone, a lot of times our mental mental health can suffer and we can even have vicarious oh, yeah. trauma, which is experiencing somebody's um, uh, trauma secondhand. Um, so you got to take care of yourself too. Best thing, just tell them you're there for them and you can also help them with some resources, which mm -hmm. I have here too for the podcast and today. 
And I love that you are so good at setting up your next question. It's like you're <laughs> in as the guest and like a host as well. You're doing great. Um, but just really quickly, I just love that idea. And this is kind of what you said before, right? With how to maybe address, um, you know, someone that's having these thoughts. And it kind of was, you know, like I, I noticed that you're not showing up here. Or I noticed that you've been feeling different. It's kind of this overarching, like, I see you, right? Uh-huh. And- yes. And I think that's so important because I can only imagine now, again, going back and thinking about, you know, that, that complete lost feeling or that, you know, it doesn't matter if I wasn't here, it wouldn't matter. So I'm doing everyone a favor, right? They probably wouldn't even notice if I was Mm -hmm. gone. I think having that idea, having someone that's saying like, Hey, I notice you or like, Hey, I see you and I care about you. Right. And I've seen these changes. I think, yeah, that could be really impactful. Um, Absolutely. But you're right, too. You know, it's like at the end of the day, you can only do so much. And we really are, I think, hardened with that fact working in these types of fields. Right. And, you know, we can't always help everyone. Um, But I think if you're doing your best. Right. And just reminding that person, you see them, that you care about them. Right. I think that's that's a great way to start, you know, no matter what. And so, as you so beautifully led into this next question, <laughs> talking about some of those resources. So, yeah, what are some of the best resources available uh, for anyone who is feeling this way or maybe yeah. that knows somebody who's feeling this way? And before she even starts, I'll just say we'll link everything down below if you're listening on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Midway through the uh, podcast announcement, we were actually supposed to properly announce this when it happened. We have not, but we are now on Apple and Spotify. So if you're watching this currently on YouTube and you have not checked us out on Apple and Spotify yet, we encourage you to do so. Just search Live Violence Free One Conversation. You'll be able to find us. But regardless, on Apple, uh, Spotify, or YouTube, we're going to link all of these resources below just so they're easy, they're clickable, um, and so all of you can kind of have these at your fingertips. So yeah, the resources I have for suicide prevention, suicide prevention, I have um, a few different ones. Some of them you may have heard of, some of them you may not. Um, I think what's great is that nowadays with technology, you can text, you can call, because even calling can be scary, you know, picking up that phone and actually getting the words out. Luckily, you can text a lot of these. So there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273- 8255 and you can actually go online too and chat with them. Um, there is the crisis text line which is 741741. The cool thing about that text line is that you can text them with any kind of crisis. You don't have to think, you know, people tend to not want to bother other people or minimize what they're going through and they might think, well, this isn't really a crisis or you know, this isn't really that bad or right. um, you really don't have to have something specific to text that. And I actually follow them on social media. They have great uh, social media is a whole nother podcast, but I really <laughs> believe that if you fill your social media feeds with positive things um, and resources like this, uh, yes. it changes your whole mindset. So they're a great, they have a great Instagram. <laughs> I would love to have you back on just to talk about that. So oh just you know, expect me to reach back out and <laughs> set up that episode. But really quick, those two resources you just shared. Um, uh-huh. I also love that they have text features because I think that's yeah. really accessible mm-hmm. for people. Are they, uh, is there a possibility to be anonymous on both of those? So say somebody doesn't even want to provide their name. They're really just wanting to kind of maybe open up or just start that conversation with anonymity I'm positive. You can be anonymous on any crisis line. Okay. Right? Awesome. I mean, 
yeah, I don't think anyone is going to require you to give them your information. Um, and I, some, some people out there might already know about the Trevor Project uh, for LGBTQ youth and allies. And that, that hotline is 1-866-488-7386. But then probably many of you have not heard of this new hotline, which I just learned about maybe last year, called Blackline for um, POC, so people of color. And I think that is awesome, just like the Trevor Project, like it's more specific, you know, you mm -hmm. maybe you're going through something that is associated with your your race or your background or where you feel like you fit in in the world and you really want to know the person that you're talking to on the other end can identify with that, mm -hmm. you know, they, they understand where you're coming from because maybe they share a similar identity or background. So right. I, I was that. excited to find out about that and that one is 1-800-604-5841. And then we have uh, an office number. Uh, we actually have an office. If you're if you're in the area listening to this podcast, our main office is in the state of Nevada. It's in Minden, Nevada, and then our sub our little office is in South Lake Tahoe in California. Um, so the main office number is seven seven five seven eight three one five one zero. And we're just a small nonprofit. <laughs> yeah. And who are you? Uh, who are you guys able to serve? I know with the Violence Freeway, we have certain limitations, and yeah. I'm not sure because I know you have the two offices in Nevada and California. So who yeah. who is really able to call you? Technically, technically, El Dorado County and Douglas County, because we're funded. Like my position is funded through El Dorado County, um, even though we're a nonprofit agency. But I mean, you know, we wouldn't. We would never turn anybody down. During normal non-COVID times, I ran a loss support group for people who've lost somebody to suicide. And it's right here in South Lake Tahoe, and we have one in Minden, but we would never turn anybody away. There are a lot awesome. of people who come to Tahoe visiting or on vacation, right. or they live here part-time. So, yeah, we don't turn anybody away. And that sounds like it might be a, a depressing part of my job running the loss support group. But going back to the whole you're not alone, mm -hmm. the most interesting part for me in running that group was that, one, I don't really need to say anything. It's not about me. It's right? just about it's about creating a safe space where people can talk to each other that have been through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to I don't know if that's sensitive enough word but to see a group of people have this discussion where you know they have very similar stories they noticed similar warning signs with the person they lost they went through grief a similar way so that's another great resource if you can find it if you've lost somebody to suicide you know it's really important for you to get some support too and it's it's, it's beneficial to know that you're not the only one maybe feeling a certain type of guilt and a certain type of grief surrounding that Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for highlighting that, Lisa, because I was not aware of that group. And I think that's something so important for us to just even know and have knowledge of in case someone is in need of that resource. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. You. Yeah. And I think it's also so important to highlight that asking for help really allows us to surround ourselves with people who can make us feel good or that can mm -hmm. help us and connect us to someone that can help us, right? So everyone needs someone, everyone needs help, and it's so important to know that you're not alone. Um, exactly. And 
Absolutely. So, you know, again, thank you so much for all this great information. We are going to close out of our session with a meditation. And, you know, as always, during our episodes, we always practice some type of self-care. You know, we just talked about something that's definitely very heavy and may have even been triggering for some. So, you know, if you feel comfortable, please feel free to uh, follow along through, during this meditation and participate. So go ahead and get yourself in a comfortable position. If you feel comfortable, go ahead and close your eyes. I invite you to take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. Allow your breath to bring you into the present moment here and now. Continue to take a deep breath in. Breathe through your nose. Inhale cool air and nurture yourself. Go ahead and exhale warm air and expel any tension or negative emotion. Continue to take deep breaths in and out. Continue. Feel your feet connecting you to the floor and the earth. Gently correct your posture by slowly lifting your chin until the top of your head radiates, radiates up towards the sky. Relax your shoulders. Relax your forehead. Relax your eyes. Relax your jaw. Try to relax all your muscles in your body while you continue to take a deep breath in and out. Again, notice your breath and allow it to bring you into the present moment where you are safe, relaxed, and doing something positive for yourself. If you have thoughts running through your mind, let them go like a cloud passing by. Quiet your mind as you take deep breaths in and out. Go ahead and bring your attention back to your breath. Disengage from the past and from the future. Take a deep breath in and count until count to three. Then hold. And then exhale and count to three. Continue to take a deep breath in. And out. Take a deep breath in and inhale some positivity for yourself. Then exhale any negative thoughts. 
I'm going to have you take your last deep breath in and then out. Go ahead and slowly come back. Move your body around. Open your eyes. Lovely as usual. That's always, I'm like, we just choose lunchtime to record and do these little meditations in our podcasts and man it's like right around like that time of the day where you want to take a nap anyway right so mm-hmm. man that was really nice thank you so much Stacy, for that and I want to say just a huge thank you to our guest uh, Lisa today from Suicide Prevention Network still getting used to saying Lisa um, <laughs> I mean the two Lisas in the room has been fun but a huge thank you and of course I mean I feel like we could have spent so much time really diving in so much deeper so you know maybe we'll we would love to have you back in the future if you're ever down for that but Absolutely. just really appreciative um, so many of the things we went over today I know for me just even talking about um that verbiage change right with the mm-hmm. taking out the word committed right and in in that act and committing mm-hmm. suicide i for me i learned something today so i i know there's listeners out there that have probably just taken away so much from this conversation so we're so appreciative and we just want to know if there's anything um that maybe we didn't get to highlight today that you think our listeners might need to know before we close out today no, I think this was an awesome conversation, and I really appreciate you for even inviting me to be part of this. Um, I can't think of, I mean, the one thing I kept hitting home is, like, you're not alone. You know, I you see that written places now, and take it seriously. <laughs> you're not, right. you're really not, you're not alone. You just have to reach out and find your people. Yeah. Um, no, I think we, we covered a lot today, and uh, what I'm hoping is that people who have listened to the podcast will kind of take it upon themselves to maybe research a little bit more mm-hmm. after they've listened to this. Hopefully it's sparked their curiosity, and they look into maybe the resources in their community and how they can help. Absolutely. And I think another good thing to just broadcast to our listeners, especially we know there's a lot of listeners in our area, in the Reno, Tahoe community, just to know, right, if you're possibly one of those people right now that are feeling this way or you know someone that's feeling this way I mean just to know I mean we JC and I are lucky enough to both know Lisa personally and know how she's I mean just a wonderful person who has all the compassion and empathy in the world and does this job because she generally cares and wants to do this work right and help people she's been doing this for years with victims and survivors and now with suicide right and so there's people like Lisa out there that exist that are specifically right mm-hmm. training are specifically learning and constantly right like are forever students learning the best ways that they could speak about this right or hold these conversations so people like Lisa I mean Lisa definitely exists and there's other people like Lisa out there that exist right that are really just so available and they're really there to just help you in any way you may need so yeah if you you know are feeling that way and you can muster up, you know, just enough of that courage to make that phone call or to reach out, just know you're going to have someone really great on the other end and someone that is going to hear you and someone that's 
probably going to validate you, right? Without that judgment, without that judgment. And I know how important that is. And so, yeah, just to all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for taking this time today, for being a part of this conversation. And of course, again, we'll have all those resources below. We really encourage you, like Lisa said, to check those out and kind of do your own research, right? There's a lot more. I'm sure we could have said there's a lot more, especially within your own communities that's probably going on, right? And things that are happening around suicide prevention. So thank you so much to all of our listeners for joining in with us today. And we hope to have you back for our next conversation.